The Launchpad, the unique radio show and podcast that celebrates new book releases and the authors that created them. Now, let's take off with your host, Grace Salmon. This is Launchpad. Welcome to episode 20. I am so excited to have Mickey Berthelot, Morency, Tracy D. Buchanan, Trisha Ricketts, and Stephanie Raffalock. This is going to be an amazing episode with these authors, and I'm so glad that you joined us. This show is taped live, so if you are joining us live, please feel free to ask questions, leave comments in the chat. We would love to interact with you. This is a, a special episode because we are going to be talking about books that are both heartwarming and heart-wrenching. Those that are filled with strong female characters, curmudgeons, and even ghosts. We'll have stories that are told from mixed points of view and the power of nature, and with books that will inspire you to embrace your creative surge. So on behalf of Mary Helen Sheriff, the author marketing coach, and myself, Grace Salmon, soon to be author of seven books and this award-winning podcast, welcome to the Launchpad. Thanks for being with me. Thanks for having Great us. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Great. So let's start. We're going to recognize, first and foremost, Tracy Buchanan with her book, Toward the Corner of Mercy and Peace, Mickey Berthelot Morency with Island Sisters, which debuts next week, Stephanie Raffalock with several books, but we're going to focus on Art in the Time of Unbelievable Crisis, and Trisha Ricketts with Speed of Dark. Let's dive right in for our storytellers. Tracy, tell us about Toward the Corner of Mercy and Peace. Well, I think I had the corner on curmudgeons and ghosts. I'm not okay. sure anybody else is writing about that in their books, but um, it, the Toward the Corner of Mercy and Peace is about, it's set in the 1950s in a small town of Paducah, Kentucky, which is where I live and where I grew up. So there's a lot of history about Paducah in it, but mostly there's just a lot of fun having an older woman who is really not interested in having any friends or being a part of life at all. And a little boy enters her life and tries to drag her back into the land of the living. And she, uh, she resists, but then she reluctantly befriends him and his family. In the meantime, she writes about these people that are dead and she researches them and her imagination is so strong that she brings them to life. She is not sure if they're really in her room or if she's just imagining things. So she's a little concerned about being crazy. But these people all along uh, give you an idea of who she really is. And her story unfolds with their stories. Oh, I, I love that. And I love that you use the word curmudgeon. So um, I don't think we use that word enough anymore. And we have people who have joined us. So welcome, Michelle Ann Wade, Facebook user. I can't tell exactly who you are, but we're so excited to have a um, number of people joining us today. So please feel free to make comments and ask questions. Mickey, let's hear about Island Sisters. Okay, so I'm very excited to be here today. Uh, the Island Sisters is my debut novel, and it's the story of four island women. The women are from Haiti, which is where I was born originally, and from Guam and St. Thomas. And I had the privilege of living on these two islands as well. 
So the women met in college in Miami and uh, find out that they share a history of childhood trauma. And they pledge to graduate together because education is going to be their ticket to get their freedom from the patriarchal culture that they grew up under. So along the way, the book spends like a decade and during that time, the women will overcome a lot of tragedies and obstacles um, and their friendship is going to carry them toward uh, victory. Uh, maybe some of them will make it, some of them will not, but it's a story about friendship and women's strength because I'm from a culture where women actually are honestly the, the, the head of the family. And I wanted to show that uh, strength and, and how when we empower women, we actually create a stronger society. So oh. yeah, so that, that's, that's, that's perfect. And yeah, Stephanie, yeah. you write quite a bit about that in your own work. Share well, with us about art in the time of unbelievable crisis. Actually, it's art in the time of unbearable crisis. <laughs> this was my first anthology, and it's my first edited by credit. But it's not editor in the sense of how we normally think of editor, like developmental editor, or copy editor, or line editor. It means editing in the sense of curation. And when the Ukrainian war started, I felt like a lot of people in this country did. I was exhausted from COVID and being locked down. I missed people. I, I loved my Zoom connections, but I wanted like face-to-face, -face, you know, with people. And this was a way for me to create community because I knew I wasn't alone in my feelings. So I put out an idea to my publisher, Brooke Warner, and we put out a call for submissions with this title, Art in the Time of Unbearable Crisis, which is based on a story of my father who brought back these beautiful works of art from World War II. And I remember looking at them when I was a little girl and thinking, how can so much beauty have come out of something so ugly and horrible? So I realized art is and creativity is kind of salvation for us. And so I got to know every single woman that submitted um, I had personal conversations, I had email conversations, and we came together as this community to create a book, the royalties of which go to World Central Kitchens to benefit Ukraine. So that's the story of this anthology. Oh, absolutely fabulous. And each of you have the strengths of different women and creating community is something that certainly we try to do here on Launchpad. We have a growing number of people who are joining us. So thank you to each and every one of you. Trisha, with a fascinating title, Speed mm -hmm. of Dark. Tell us about your novel. Yes, thank you. Um, and Stephanie, I was so honored to be a part of your anthology. So thank you, Tricia. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a beautiful piece, by the way. So um, so speed of dark. Um, the title kind of came to me. I know that all of us as writers feel that there's a muse that is deep inside of us. So this is a tale that I set in Y2K. And I'll be honest, one of the reasons I did that is I did not want to have to deal with cell phones. <laughs> so, Perfectly reasonable. Yeah, yeah you know, because now they're so endemic. It's such a part of our culture and our society. However, this is a tale of redemption from wounds and survival through grief as told through three narrators. 
The first is Mary M. Phillips. She's a 50-year-old white woman. And she has decided, and this came to me, that she's sitting at her kitchen table. This is going to be the last day of her life. Mm. Then the second narrator, which have very distinctive voices, is mostly Albright. And he is a 55-year-old black man. He happens to come to her door for, an, I think, an interesting reason that very day. The third narrator is Michigami, which is the 14,000-year-old Lake Michigan. He has suffered a deep wound. And there, there is an odyssey that they take through iconic Chicago buildings, through its metra as they journey, um, which actually climaxes at the Shedd Aquarium in, I think, a rather dramatic ending. However, I have to say this, lest you think that the darkness is too dark, I have side characters that I think personally are hilarious, and I think they're the comic relief. So um, I won't tell you the ending, but I think it's rather interesting. Each of these sound very important. One of my goals with Launchpad is to always have people add to their TBR list, and I'm sure each of your books will indeed be. You kind of set us up there, Tricia, to talk about writing and uh, things come to you. So I'm going to go back to you um, on the craft of writing and how you came to this craft. Well, I have written my entire life. Even when I was in fifth grade, of course, I journaled with the lock and key kind of journal that we many of us had. But I also started writing little stories that would be um, autobiographical, you know, puppy lovey kind of things. But I would sit on a stool in the kitchen as my mother would be the one doing the dishes, not me. And I would read her my stories and I could tell from the hunch in her back that she was interested. And so I continued to read and I continued to write my whole life. I actually wrote a first novel, which I has, have lost, which I wrote during the nap time of my three children. But this was pre-computers and many, many moves. I only had like three hard copies and gone oh, the way of no. the goose. Oh, so this is my debut novel. Heartbreaking. In but writing is, I would imagine, in all of us a part of our heart and soul and the spirit moves through some muse <laughs> brings us uh, storylines and characters. And uh, I guess that's my tale. Well, Mickey, a perfect follow-up to that is you talk as Trisha does about her mother and you talk about the importance of your grandmother and hearing these stories and the strong women. So talk to us because you, your bio talks about you as an enthusiastic storyteller. How did you get <laughs> to the writing platform? Well, I grew up with storytellers because we really actually didn't have a lot of books when I was a child in Haiti. So I made up stories in my head and then until I started writing a journal, I kept a journal and I wrote, you know, my, about my feelings. And so the story of the Island Sisters came to me from having worked with women at a transitional housing here in the U.S. And I saw their plight and I saw the common denominator um, of 
why for the most part they ended up where they ended up. So that, that's where the, the idea for the story came from. And it was, it was easy for me to write because I've been writing stories in my head for like a long time. Stephanie, Stephanie, you talk in your book, Art in the uh, Time of Unbearable Crisis, um, and it's an anthology, but you've also written other works as well. So talk about how you brought these voices of other women uh, to the platform, but also some of your own writing, please. Well, like Mickey, I had, I had a mother who was a storyteller. And that was great. And one of my favorite things as a kid was to lay in bed with her at night and she would make up stories and tell them to me. There were dolls that lived in the attic. There were ghosts that lived in the cellar. She was wonderful. Um, I came to writing as a kid, like many of you did. And I used to make books. These are air quotes. <laughs> and my books were lined notebook paper that I would write stories out on. And then I would staple construction paper to either side. And those were my books. But what I loved about those books was there, there was no expectation of them. The joy was in the purity of creating them. And now in this world with other women writers, I, I so often see that we have this other expectation that seems just out of our reach. And we sometimes can forget the purity that first led us to creativity, that first led us to art. So while I am an avid and probably eternal student of the craft of story and story structure. Um, I also make time to play with my stories because I think that's where the real juice is. And I think Trisha referred to it as a muse. And I just refer to it as my inner child that wants to keep that magic going, the magic of making things, the magic of, of putting things out into the world that others might benefit from. And as I've gotten older, I see storytelling and story writing as a portal into the examined life, which is something that I consciously or unconsciously chose along the way. I'm not sure which, but that's what writing has provided for me. It helps me to make sense of the world, whether it's through fiction or nonfiction. And so now it's here forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I, I love that. Tracy, one of the things I loved in your bio was you are forever in search of the perfect sentence. So, and you love a good exclamation point. So I'd love to hear your story about how that became important to you and how it materialized in Toward the Corner of Mercy and Peace. Well, like the others, I began writing very early. I, I won a contest when I was in first grade for my story about Ben the Dinosaur. And I don't know, later on, I named my son, our first son, Ben. I don't think it was related, but maybe <laughs> just, I was there. You know, he's a winner. He's definitely a winner. So, uh, but I've been writing all my life. I, I decided it wasn't very practical to be a creative writer. So I went into journalism. And for years, I focused on journalism, which is telling the truth. Hopefully, that's what a good journalist does. And uh, I, when I decided to pull back from that, uh, it's when these stories started coming to me. And I thought, okay, I don't have any limits now. I can just write whatever this character needs me to say about him. And uh, uh, and like like Tricia, things came to me as I was writing this book. And one of the, I started off trying to make it more of an anthology, like telling these, these people um, I had written about, I'd researched these people who were in the cemetery here in Paducah. And I had done 
little dramas that they people would walk through the cemetery and see the person come to life and they would tell their story. Well, I wrote those stories. And so I had this whole collection of stories about these people who were buried in Paducah Cemetery. And um, I thought I want to do something more with that. So I had uh, I had Minerva Place come in as as the kind of the guide and she was going to tell their stories. Well, as Minerva talked to me, she just became more and more dominant. And instead of Minerva telling their stories, they began telling Minerva's story because um, her story, there's a lot of sadness and a lot of humor in it too. And uh, she's, she's just fascinated me. Her voice just fascinated me. I just couldn't get it out of my head. I love that the uh, five of us are talking and we're all talking about voices in our heads and <laughs> none of us think, you know, ghosts in the basement. This is all good. We're, we're all fine here. <laughs> I'd like to switch us a bit to culture. And I want to start with Stephanie because you really talk about a cultural shift that you think is happening. And then each of you in your own way also talk about culture. So Stephanie, let's start with you and then let's move around the screen. Well, I'm not sure which cultural shift you're referring to, but the one that comes to mind right now is that I think women are on the forefront of cultural shift. Um, this is our, you know, in every great story, there's an all is lost moment. And what happens on the heel of the all of is lost moment is the protagonist, the hero gets pulled to her knees. And what happens, what transforms her is she decides to serve the something greater. And that's what I see happening with women in our culture, is that we're the ones that are reminding our government right now, our politicians, that, you know, this isn't, this isn't a power job. This is a job of service. And I believe that women, especially in communities like this, we're very much in service to each other. I've, I've never had a woman from She Writes Press that I, that I said to, can you help me with this or that, that that turned me down, nor would I ever turn anyone down. So the cultural shift that I see is that women are really coming to the forefront. And I think that's why we've been stripped of some of our rights. I think that we pose a threat, but I also think that we open a door of opportunity for equality and inclusion everywhere, male, female, color, everything. So um, that's the cultural shift that I see. And um, I am a proud feminist these days and not afraid to stand in the light of my truth and talk about it um, because I think that this is our time and this is our time when we really can be helpers in the culture. And, and may your words be true for every single one of our listeners. And I couldn't agree with you more about the author community. And She Writes Press has been such a wonderful partner with us here on the Launchpad. Mickey, you're very strong in terms of culture, your Haitian culture, your Catholic culture. Talk about that, how it impacted your writing and your wonderful book, Island Sisters. Um, well, I wanted to portray the women culture in the book almost as a character because their culture really impact a lot of the decisions that they have made for better or for worse because I mean, as, as an immigrant living in another country, I see how no matter how long I've left home, my culture is so ingrained in, in what I do almost every day. So I wanted to portray that. And, and I agree. I mean, I'm from a very tribal community um, and, and, and I keep that. And, and I 
we pretty much surround myself with women and the term sisters mean a lot to me because I feel like we women are all sisters regardless of what walk of life we came from, what shade we came in. Where, you know, I mean, we really are sisters because we share, we have more similarities than we have differences, whether we realize that or not. So uh, the book really um, portrays the women culture, um, you know, so that the reader will understand why, because I have four characters with coming in from different, uh, different fa uh, family setting. So they're coming with different baggages, right? Um, so I wanted to show that their culture is very important as to why they make certain decision and how they're going to have to manipulate that to get out of some of these situation that they're going to find themselves uh, into. So it's always amazed me that, that for as long as I've been living here, that I very strongly identified with who I am, you know, outside of all the other different titles that I have, you know, as a Haitian American, as a black woman, as an immigrant, as a, you know, so, but, but my culture is like the umbrella under which that I navigate life. So Thank it's you. very important. Thank you. With Tricia, you talk very openly about your Irish Catholic background and the culture that uh, put you into this. So let's talk about how culture impacts you and your writing. Well, I was thinking about it as I was listening to uh, Mickey's and Stephanie's uh, cultural issues that they, or themes that they're actually dealing with. And mine are certainly with the Irish Catholic background who, and this person takes shape in the form of her dead grandmother, whose name is Mamie and she calls her Mamie. And she lives inside of her head, as we know probably our beloved ancestors live inside of our head and they talk to us and we kind of pray to them, if you will. I don't mean literally in a prayerful way, but more of a spiritual, like, what am I going to do now, Mamie? And Mamie is always responding to her in um, italics. However, she does appear in, I guess you could say, real time in back flashbacks. So there's, there's that culture, which is very rich. She has a brogue. She makes up songs. She brings her darling granddaughter, Mary M, out of depressive moments. But there's also an ecological culture that I deal with very specifically because Michigami, which is the Ojibwe name for Lake Michigan, dubbed many years ago, be, bemoans the fact that he has had his life's nutrients robbed from him, overfished, polluted, plasticized, all of these things. And so he actually, and I think this is kind of weird, but I, I love Lake Michigan, by the way. I swim in it all the time. I go there, I collect beach glass, blah, blah, blah. But so the culture of ecology and the awareness of it, I think I brought to the fore through this voice of Michigami. And I've had friends who, after reading the book, they said they will never look at Lake Michigan and not hear the voice of we need to be taking care of this beautiful land that we've been given. So there's that. And then, of course, there's the black culture. And my husband and I 
are blues photographers and we've befriended many of the guys and women too. Um, and so my character of Mosley Albright is definitely a, kind of an amalgamation of men I know in this community. And, you know, they've stayed at our house. We write music together and things like that. And so the, the racial issues, because Mary M is at first very afraid of him. And by the end, I'll just say there's been a change. And I'm sure, I'm hopefully a change for the better. Tracy, I want to end this part of the cultural uh, discussion with you, because I have heard you say that, you know, stories are the things that connect us. It's really so much about our culture. So would you talk about that, why stories connect and the reading, writing culture? Well, I think that any, any book that really grabs you, it, it's grabbed you because it's hit an emotional spot in you. And when we tap into those uh, places that we all share, but maybe don't all talk about all the time um, it, in toward the corner of mercy and peace, mercy and peace are very important, but also forgiveness is very important. So uh, I've had a lot of people say to me as they've, as they've read the book that they were, uh, people were brought to their mind, you know, things that they needed to let go of and things they needed to forgive themselves of. So I think that that culture of uh, bringing us together in the human experience through these different fictional characters, it's a little bit safer than actually dealing with uh, something in real life. If you can deal with it in a book, if you can deal with it by reading about it or discussing it or listening to the story, then sometimes that is like the first step toward getting to the next place. And I had the honor of reading Nikki's book. And I, I think that there are going to be a lot of women who read that book and see their own experience and are able to maybe make some steps forward in their emotional life because of, of reading that book. So I think, I think that the themes of books and the, the characters uh, draw us in together. Yeah. I love that connection. And, you know, you talk about the themes in your book of uh, Toward the Corner of Mercy and Peace, of love and forgiveness. Mickey, what would you say the themes of Island Sisters are? Well, it's definitely uh, the, the major theme, I would say, is uh, domestic trauma um, and friendship and um, the women empowerment um, and how by bonding together, it, particularly in that book, the way that I weave the story is to show that it kind of like takes, uh, it takes a village to raise children, but it also takes a village to get women, at least in my experience, to kind of like get their, um, get together and, and use their strength, what, you know, whatever they're bringing into the situation, because we each have like, something that we're good at, right? So, so it shows in that book that each woman is coming in from a different place and putting all of it in a basket, if you will, Wonderful. for them to find a solution to get out of their situation. Tricia, major themes of your book. Yes. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Major theme of your book, what would you say? Love um, humanity. I would say healing from grief, um, Forgiveness, I think, Tracy, you mentioned that. Uh, forgiveness. Um, and as the Beatles wrote, 
we get by with a little help from our friends. So it's a journey and it starts, I think, very sad, thus the speed of dark. And it wrestles with light and dark, not only through the the equinox, which is the, the planets struggling with light and dark, but also how we struggle with the light and dark in our own lives. Oh, I'm going to get each of your books. Stephanie, you must have multiple themes with a wonderful outcome. What would you say the themes of your book are? Actually, I think it's only one theme. I think it is the strength and power of women women coming together in an artistic community to talk about how art, creativity can be salvation during times of unbearable crises. I I think I'm going to leave us right there because I think each of us would so strongly agree with that theme. I'm so glad each of you were here on The Storytellers and that you brought your books to each of us. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to thank Tracy Buchanan for Towards the Corner of Mercy and Peace, Mickey uh, Berthelot Morrissey for Island Sisters, Stephanie Raffalock for Art in the Time of Unbearable Crises, and Tricia Ricketts for The Speed of dark. Thanks for each of you for being here on The Storytellers. I'm so happy to have had you here and come back again. I wish each of you great luck and I hope everybody has found their next read as they've just fallen in love with these great authors. Thanks everybody. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Great. This episode is copyrighted by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thank you for visiting with us on Launchpad.